This is a Broad Pods production. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Broad Radio. For you, by you. Broad Radio. Here for more. Hi, it's Jo Stanley and welcome to Broad Radio On The Go. This is the podcast of our weekly live show and wow, what a ripper. One of Australia's most glorious singers and star of 9 to 5, the musical Casey Donovan joined us. She talks love, being vulnerable and women supporting women. We had commentator Kerry Sackville join us. She frees us from the pressure of a spotless house. And we introduce you to a fresh new voice, Coralie Dimitriadis, who is a poet and writer working to inspire women to step into their power and become unapologetically who they want to be. But first, my co-host, and Pipos, gave us a behind-the-scenes insight into the independence movement changing Australian politics. You can catch Broad Radio Live every Tuesday at 9am. Check us out. Joe, it is so good to be back in the warm arms of Broad Radio, <laughs> escaping from politics for an hour. Yes, you have been a little absent because you've got something very important that you're doing right now. That's right. I'm a political advisor for Independent for Goldstein candidate Zoe Daniel, friend of the show. Yes, she joined us on Broad Radio last year when we first launched and I honestly pinched myself that she she happily joined us as a co-host and now she's doing something even more important. Well, that's right. A friend of hers who looks a bit like me talked her into running as the <laughs> independent candidate for Goldstein at the federal election. So I've been pretty busy, but it's, it's um, energising. So... And you say that uh, you and Zoe started on this campaign because you convinced her to run. How did that come about? So before I came on board, Voices of Goldstein um, had existed for a year or so. That is the grassroots group that was concerned about democracy and um, improving democracy. And they wanted to run an independent candidate in the seat of Goldstein, which is in Melbourne's sort of Bayside area and just across the other side of Nepean Highway, suburbs like um, Caulfield South, McKinnon, Bentley. Um, They came to me to sound me out and, you know, would I be interested or do I know anyone who might be interested in running (laughs) as an independent? I said, I'm not your woman, um, but I know someone who may be interested. Uh, Zoe had come back from four years covering uh, Trump as the ABC's uh, Washington uh, bureau chief. Um, She was starting her own business. I thought maybe this timing would suit her. I wasn't Mm. sure. And then when I rang her, I did say, are you sitting down? (laughs) (laughs) I have an idea. Um, And she was like, oh, Pip, what now? (laughs) We have a 30-year friendship. (laughs) So we've been getting into mischief for the best part of 30 years. And she said no at first. And then she let the idea just sink in Mm. with her family uh, for about two months. And in the end, it felt like the right thing to do. And her kids and her husband supported her. In fact, her son who's 15, said, Mum, you know, we need you to do this Mm. um, for the country Um, because Zoe stands for, you know, um, smart uh, climate policy, 
um, integrity, equality. Um, you know, she's a hardworking, compassionate, smart woman. Uh, we can do with a few more of those in Parliament, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing so many putting their hands up. This independence mm. movement is really fascinating to me. Yes. Um, there's a lot of people who perhaps never have thought of voting for an independent because it feels as though, well, my mum said to me, well, it's a waste of a vote, mm. which is sort of an old way of thinking about our yeah. system of Parliament, I think. We've got to bust that myth. And that is um, an obstacle for the independence because a lot of people have that knee-jerk response like your mum mm. that it is a wasted vote and it's going to create all this chaos. It won't create chaos. What it does is it introduces that some sensible, independent-thinking people into the parliament, people who aren't afraid to bring up new ideas, who can dis debate... Um, policy in a, in a respectful and intelligent way, who can go where the major parties don't necessarily want to go. So the problem in this country with the two-party system is that so, such important topics get weaponised. Yes. So we can't even have a sensible, proper discussion about climate or about respect for women because the issue gets weaponised. So, you know, bring in the independents. They can raise this. They can introduce their own bills to parliament. They can be that sen sensible centre uh, in parliament. And, like, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. At the moment, it's chaos. So it, it, that, that's it, the it answer. Is. It already is chaos because um, of the um, really low level of debate in parliament. And over the past two years you know, women, <laughs> what we've seen in our nation's capital and, and the way that such important um, matters have been dealt with by our leaders, I mean, we need change. Yes. This is an important election. You either stick with the status quo or you can choose respect and honesty and decency and, and sensible, economically focused climate policy. You know, to me, it's an obvious choice. It's a really important time in the country because we've got an opportunity to reshape this great country of ours. So mm. I'm, um, I'm exhausted on the one <laughs> hand, but I'm energised because it's really important. And, you know, I, I, would, I just would love to see Zoe um, sitting on that crossbench. So what, what's your role within the campaign? Yeah. And how, how does one run a campaign as an independent? My role to start with was media advisor. And I, I, I thought, I understand that. I've been a journalist for 30 years. I'll be getting Zoe out there in the media um, and uh, creating awareness about how fabulous she is. Um, but in a small team, you end up doing mm. a whole lot more than just that. <laughs> <laughs> so really, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm media strategy uh, policy as well. I'm involved in writing the, the gender equality policy. Um, I'm ironing her clothes. I'm doing whatever she wants me to do. Chief handbag holder. Handbag holder. <laughs> On all our street meets when we're in the community meeting people, I'm looking after Zoe's bag. So I am the bag carrier. Um, but I love it. I love it because I believe in Zoe and I believe um, that this is an important moment in our in our country's history. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm doing a bit of everything. I think um, what I love about the independence movement is communities feel like they're not looked after necessarily by their member of parliament because they are beholden to the party that they belong to. Yes. And I'm really excited to see so many independents say, I'm from this community, I look after your interests. That's yep. really important. Um, and I'm seeing already people are making comments on our Facebook. HA says we need to break the binary. There's no diverse discourse in a two-party system. Like it is a really exciting time. But also I want to acknowledge that the people that we're seeing running as independents mm. already had extraordinary careers. Yes. And there's so some sacrifice to this. They're walking away from well-paid dream careers mm -hmm. to answer a call. Absolutely. And they are bringing their life experience to this. They're not just people who have been political advisors who want to one day be prime minister. There are a lot of them like that in the system already. Um, Zoe brings a wealth of experience. She has covered just about everything you know mm. politics business you know she was there for trump she saw the rise of trump she knows the the danger signs that lead to that you know let's face it america one of the greatest democracies ever 
um, is no longer. Mm. You know, that four years of Trump, uh, she saw that. Um, so she brings that experience to it. We've got um, in Kuyong, Dr. Monique Ryan, who's going up against Josh Frydenberg. Um, she has come from the medical world. Um, so these women are bringing so much experience to it, um, um, different perspective. Mm. And, I mean, gosh, I would just love to see Zoe and a few others also get elected yes. where they can have um, an influence in shaping policy. And you're right, they've come from the community. You know, Zoe is the community-backed independent candidate for Goldstein. Um, she went through a selection process. Um, you know, she is representing the voices of Goldstein. Mm -hmm. um, it's very exciting. It is very exciting. Um, we, I just want to mention before we move on to our very exciting first guest, um, Katrina is a little concerned for you because she says it sounds like scope creep in your job, Ange. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which and does happen. I know, I know. <laughs> but you know what? Because Zoe's my very good friend of 30 years, yes. you, you do go the extra kilometre, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And essentially when you are, I mean, it's like a, being a startup founder, you you know, a small team with a very limited yeah. budget. You're just kind of like, oh, all right, I'll do that too. Yes. <laughs> but I do appreciate that concern, Katrina. I think it's well worth pointing out. Thank you, Katrina. All right, it's time to welcome a woman who has been a dream guest for us on Broad Radio pretty much since we began last yep. year. She is, I think, one of Australia's most glorious voices and is truly a glorious person to boot. I have loved watching her career just grow because I was on radio when she won Australian Idol way back when. Um, <laughs> and she's now starring in 9 to 5, the musical. Casey Donovan, it is so lovely to see you. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Uh, well, so those of us remember, those of us who are old enough, remember mm. 9 to 5, the movie, which, of course, I mean, with Dolly Parton, Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, what a fun, extraordinary, groundbreaking movie that was. And now you get to be <laughs> with Marina Pryor, Erin Clare on stage every night. Um, what a hoot that must be. Oh, it is absolutely joyful each night night after night day after day uh getting to interact with strong powerful women independent women who just love doing their job and we get to tell this story of nine to five night after night of you know how it was back in the day and still to this day there are a lot of things that really haven't changed that much uh so there's still that emphasis on you know women empowering other women and you know getting equal pay and just being humans and you know deserving everything that everyone else gets um so it's a very powerful message we get to portray night after night and of course with a lot of joy and fun and laughter i remember watching that film and at the time it um i was young um, so I didn't realise how significant it was to have three women protagonists in a film and it still is quite rare mm. to have it. Um, what have you been told about the original film? I mean, is it, and how um, accurate a representation is what you're doing on stage to the original film? Look, it's an adaptation of the film. So... Pat Resnick also wrote the, the musical that we get to perform. So, um, you know, having a TV, uh, movie and a musical uh, kind of go hand in hand. So the great thing about the musical is we get to inject music into it and tell stories through song as well as, you know, as actors um, and storylines. So I feel like the musical kind of fleshes out more of the movie. So the things that you don't get to see, there's that really amazing back in the 80s dream sequence that the women do and you know trying to portray that on stage <laughs> when you're already acting as a character then kind of going into a dream sequence so it's kind of like an acting of an acting of an acting <laughs> scenario <laughs> uh, so that's always quite fun when we get to the rooftop scene um, mm -hmm. but you know it's a very much it's still very much true to its word and mm -hmm. you know keeping females empowered and the fact that women still aren't getting paid the same as men. And mm. the fact that we're still having these conversations and Marina Pryor has this amazing line night after night and Caroline O'Connor comes down and I don't want to give too much away, but, um, <laughs> you know, she comes down and Caroline's like, you know, what's going on? Why is what's happening? And Marina's like, you know, maybe in 10 years, this won't even be a discussion anymore about oh. equal pay for, 
for women. Mm. Um, so that usually gets a cheer night after night. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great musical. It's fun. It's two and a half years, well, in the making because it was supposed to go up in 2020 and, you know, the pandemic knocked everything about and I got the opportunity to audition for Judy, um, which was never really on my cards because I just – yeah, I just never saw myself as playing Judy Burnley and then to get a call saying, can you please put a tape down so we can send it off to the director in, in the States um, to see if we can, you know, get you on board. I was very much privileged and grateful that I got that call uh, because now I've got some work up my sleeve. But um, it's a great show to perform and I get to perform with, you know, Marina Pryor and mm. Caroline O'Connor and Eddie Perfect and Erin Clare and the whole ensemble. It's just... It's a hoot. It's a bloody yeah. hoot to go to yes. work. Also, I mean, playing Judy, um, she is, I, I, I recall from the movie, she's the one who's newly separated and has to kind of get back into the world and find herself again. Um, I imagine there are women in the audience who say, yeah, hell yeah, I know that experience. Do you sense that from the crowd? Oh, very much so. Judy's storyline throughout the show is her whole world has come crashing down. She had a husband that she, you know, was... Judy's thought process is you're, you make a good wife, you make a good home, you you know make it comfortable for the husband and then the husband goes off and cheats with the secretary and then what's she to do? She's got to go out and get a job. So she, <laughs> through this whole storyline, her arc is just like she's so vulnerable and wants to learn and eager and then she's, you know, gets put down because the boss is a bit of a, you know, an asshole and then she kind of gets back up there and then Dick comes back in and it's just this whole storyline of and building strength and having hope and then losing hope and then finding two beautiful women that she can talk to mm. and you know interact with and then she finds her strength through those interactions and watching you know marina Pryor play violet you know her strength through her character is something that judy kind of goes oh well i can do that too you know what's wrong why can't I be a powerful woman? So Judy's beautiful arc is that beautiful moment when she gets to the end and I get to sing Get Out and Stay Out to Dick, to his face. And <laughs> it's that pinnacle moment where Judy says to herself, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. You're not going to tell me what to do. You can't control my life. I'm a new woman. You don't know me. This is who I am now and this is who I'm going to be. And, yeah, it's just such a moment and I feel the audience – day after day just embrace that song and embrace Judy's moment to stand in her own worth and I feel yeah I feel I get to feel empowered every night by Judy so it's a beautiful thing <laughs> <laughs> and you get to perform against a backdrop of a women's uprising mm. in this country at the moment do, do, do you also sense that that bigger picture of what's going on because we've had a couple of years where women have been blatantly disrespected um, and our leaders have not responded adequately to situations. Do you feel like that the political context is is strong as well? Oh, very much so. You know, the the feeling of women coming together, and especially in the audience, you can certainly feel that push. And you know, I feel like at this point in time and throughout the last decade, well, women aren't going to stay quiet anymore. We're not going to stay still. We're not going to keep our voices, you know, to ourselves. We're going to make noise and we're going to make change because if we don't start to make a little bit of noise and a little bit of change, things aren't going to get any better for us. So, you know, the more women can empower women and stick together and not be snidey or, you know, the B word, we're going to be able to change the world. And, yeah, I'm all about empowering other women and, and getting to a place where we can just have discussions and not arguments, mm. just have normal discussions and listen, yeah. listen to each other and, and have mm. that conversation to not table our anger, but table how can we move forward? How can we mm. as, you know, women in some form of, you know, whatever the world wants, a celebrity, mm. but um, <laughs> you know, how do we use those platforms for good and how do we show other women that, if we help each other up, we can make amazing change and we can make this world turn around. So, um, yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of conversations that are con going to come out of this show. And, you know, with those conversations, there comes a lot of joy uh, <laughs> because it's musical theatre and we get to, to enjoy it and have fun and, yeah, just be able to do our jobs again, which is amazing. And have three strong <laughs> women 
leads. It's it's bloody amazing. You know, women in, in this industry is just yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it, I wish I could do that. Yeah, I, what singing singing the show? Yes. <laughs> She, I, I need to explain, Casey, uh, and she's a frustrated singer, but her family won't let her sing at home. So. Right. It, look, it, I, I'm not deterred by that. I still sing you do. very badly. Mm. I enjoy singing mm. um, yeah. despite yeah, good yeah, on you. Yeah. what the others say in my house. You know, um, Casey, you mentioned using your platform, and I, I, I know the word celebrity is weird, right? But, you know, you have a very large platform. You're very, very loved, and I think you have a really important role too because women and girls see you and are very inspired by you I don't know if that sits well with you how, how does it feel because I know that you know you hosted what does Australia really think which was you know the episode you did was examining attitudes to obesity um, you've spoken uh, you've got your autobi- autobiography big beautiful and sexy where you share so much of yourself you share your relationship as well on insta like how does it sit with you that people may be looking to you as a role model Look, I mean, I can only live my life to the best ability that I can live my life. Um, The fact that people get to look into that window is a beautiful thing. And I feel like, yeah, the more positive stuff we can put out there and, you know, just give people hope and love and a choice to go, oh, cool, I can do that too. Yeah, amazing. Um, I think that's pretty, pretty special. And yeah, I can't talk on anyone else's behalf but mine, but, um, you know, I've always been a very open book and shown my vulnerabilities because I feel like a lot of people feel like they cannot. Um, so for me to kind of come out and just be unapologetically myself, um, that's all I can be. And if people can take a little bit of strength and courage away from that, I mean, that's that's amazing. Mm, I am absolutely obsessed with your relationship with Renee. Just from watching the photos... <laughs> On Insta, you two are adorable. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, she's cute. there's some serious relationship goals there. I've I've told my mm. partner, my husband, that we need to get some matching pajamas in the way that you and Renee. <laughs> <laughs> How has it been? Sh- you know, sharing that relationship with the world. Look, it's been great. Um, you know, I was, I was speaking last night and. I was just saying for so much of my life, I've been alone for the big parts of my life, you know, being able to do all these amazing things and not have anyone there to share that with or to talk about the excitement. It's, yeah, it kind of hit me last night. I was like, I've been doing this for so many years on my own and to have her there and to share in that and share in the joy and excitement and, you know, sometimes the down days and how I'm going to navigate getting through some tricky Mm -hmm. situations. It's great to have a soundboard and to have someone so level-headed and someone that is as equally open and honest and it's just, it's such a beautiful thing. And yeah, we really are kind of, you know, the yin to the yang and, (laughs) you know, we talk constantly and just I find... Well, I have found that communication is the key and having those weird, awkward conversations where you're like, oh, I don't know what this is. It's, yeah, those conversations are important and that's what's, you know, kind of taught me a massive lesson because I've had so many people come into my life that have, you know, screwed around with my vulnerability and taken me for a ride and, you know, kind of blurred my reality um, because of my vulnerability and me going, well, this feels kind of weird, but um, you said it was okay. But then I'm like, oh, I'm finding this, you know, inner voice to go, oh, maybe this shouldn't happen. But, and, you know, I found throughout my whole life, whether that's been, you know, the catfishing situation or in my business world or things like that, there's always been people that have come in and I've allowed them to do that until the last kind of few years where I've grown and I've found this growth and I've gone, no, I don't accept that anymore. And it's, it's always weird and it's always going to feel awkward to make change but those changes are awkward because you're shifting into the person you're becoming Um, and I found that so interesting and Renee has certainly helped me in the last few years to to build on that strength and yeah I I can't wipe the smile off my face these days (laughs) (laughs) which is pretty bloody cool yeah yeah oh man shifting into the person you're becoming I love that such powerful words yeah really important for other for other women and other people to hear that it's it's so important it was was this 
lockdown love? Am I right in saying it was love in lockdown? Yeah. Yay. (laughs) It was love in lockdown. I just moved from Sydney to Melbourne and, you know, literally got into Victoria when the border shut the first time uh, back in 2020. And I was, you know, in this new house, in this new area, and I could only go five kilometres from my house. And (laughs) yeah, I kind of jumped online and we always have a giggle. uh, And it was by pure fate and chance that um, Renee and I matched on Bumble and had our old Bumble stumble. Um, so that was, <laughs> yeah, it was, everything happens for a reason and I believe we, you know, we all end up exactly where we need to be. So, um, yeah, um, it was, so, it was yeah, by chance and I just keep saying, like, do you think we would have ever crossed paths if we weren't on that? good old sight but um yeah she's just a beautiful beautiful human oh I love it a couple more things I need to mention before we let you go Casey firstly I love your mindfulness podcast the space you have so many elements to you it's hard to know where to begin but mindfulness is a daily practice (laughs) for me um what does mindfulness mean to you it just means to be in tune with you it means to Mm. you know sit with yourself and sit with your thoughts and sit with emotions, uh, which most people I found during the pandemic, um, I feel they just, they didn't know what to do because they'd never sat with their thoughts and they'd been so busy going to work and, you know, picking up kids and going to training and doing all these things that the minute the world just went, nah, actually, we're not doing that for two years, everyone kind of just went, Is this me? Is this what I do? Is this so having that mindfulness podcast um, and working with the space has been absolutely amazing. And so many people have come to me and just said, "This has really helped me. This has really shaped who I am. I listen to it every day." And it's the one thing I love about this podcast in particular. There's no BS. Mm. It's just you know we talk from we talk about everything from you know having wine mindfully, having sex mindfully, having all of these things and doing it mindfully, not beating yourself up about it and finding ways that you can enjoy the little things in life and be mindful. And once Mm. you kind of tap into that, life kind of just opens up and you're like, oh, wow, I don't have to get angry at everyone on the road because they don't know how to drive. I can just sit here and be like, or maybe they're in a rush. Maybe they're having a really crappy day and I'm just sitting here blasting my radio and enjoying the day. So I'm just going to stay in my lane and enjoy that and let them do their lives. Um, so, yeah, the Mindfulness Podcast, the space, is absolutely oh. brilliant. And, yeah, it's just it's so good. I, I just Everything you just said there is just speaking my language and I love that you're saying it because it's just like I actually love a traffic jam. Like I love being able to just kind of sit in my space and go, oh, I'm just going to breathe for a bit and Mm. I'm just going to allow the world do Mm. what it does. But you're right, people struggle with stillness, really do. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's okay and that's okay. It is true, yes. um, Yeah, Yeah. we just, yeah, the world is helping people now give people the tools to be able to identify what's going on and break it down a little bit. And I think, you know, the more we share things in the world, the more this world Mm. becomes a better place. So, and very quickly, of course, music. Like, are we hearing new music from you soon? I absolutely loved (laughs) Blues Day Tuesday during uh, last year when you did your Facebook Lives. Are we going to hear new music from you? We certainly are. I've been doing a fair bit of writing in my downtime and also in my busy times. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, I'm very excited to be bringing out some new stuff. I've been working with some amazing writers and just, yeah, getting this new groove. I mean, the one thing about me, as you said, you know, I do so many different things that when I get to come back to my love of music, I'm like, Ooh, what do I want to write today? Uh, so it's, you know, I always like to say it's a mixed bag of lollies, but um, there is new music coming. I'm very, very excited. And also being able to do the Blues Day tour that was postponed last year at the end of this year in November. Um, and also I've got some new cheeky dates through September. So um, I'm very excited to get that out there. And just, it's just a night of just me basically 
doing what I did on Blues Day, which is mm. stuff around a bit. I don't bring the cats on tour, though. So, um, <laughs> yeah. It's a shame. I did love the cats. Um, yeah, amazing. I, we've already had someone give a review on our socials saying that you absolutely stole the show on Friday night. I think oh, Pip bless. went along. Yeah. So um, we oh, can't thanks, wait. Pip. You're in Sydney at the moment. <laughs> Head along to uh, 9to5themusical.com.au to get your tickets. And I know that you're touring as well. And I'm hoping that someone like Ange would be able to sing along to 9to5. Sure. <laughs> the audience goes nuts when that song will. starts. I did it in front of the class back in the 80s. <laughs> I, I did sing the song. Um, oh, look out. And, you know, that's probably why I am the way I am now. <laughs> so I'm guessing Love singing it. along is absolutely welcomed. <laughs> It is certainly welcome and, yeah, we love when people just jump up at the end and dance and sing about. It's yeah. such a joyful experience. So hopefully everyone can get along to see it and have a great night at the theatre. Oh, thanks so much, Casey Fantastic. Donovan. It's been an absolute joy to have you on Broad Radio. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. All right, well, she's been waiting very patiently because we couldn't stop talking with beautiful Casey. How wise. Oh, my God. So wise. And, oh, to be able to sing like her. Mm, It's true. The wisdom that she brings in this, Mm. she's very... Centered, yes, don't you think? Absolutely, but I think we need to welcome our next guest, is one of our regulars and uh, author and commentator. And she has a new book out, uh, just in time for Mother's Day. It's called The Life Changing Mess Magic. I beg your pardon, The Life Changing Magic of a Little Bit of Mess. Kerry Sackville, sorry to keep you waiting because of Casey Donovan. Oh, <laughs> uh, Kerry Sackville, who is not centered or wise and certainly <laughs> can't sing. <laughs> sorry, guys, here's the juxtaposition. <laughs> It's good, yeah. The light, the light and the shade. That's right. I'm the shade. Um, well, when it comes to mess, let me tell you, I feel like I take it to the next level. And you say a little bit of mess. How much is too much mess? Do you think? You know, I'm not advocating that we live in filth and squalor. You know, there's a certain amount of of cleaning that we need to do to stop things like maggot infestations and weeds in the pantry of which I actually have quite a bit of experience. Um, And in fact, sitting here, I'm looking at a pile of ants in the corner of my room right now, but they're friendly ants and and, (laughs) and we kind of have an arrangement. We don't bother each other. But, you know, we don't want dirt and squalor, but what we we do want is is a bit of disorder, a bit of disarray. Disarray is okay. Um, And I really am advocating for letting your standards slip just a bit and seeing mm. what happens. You know, once you stop madly cleaning and tidying, there's room for all sorts of other things. I mean, you'll have time to start a podcast, for example. Do some <laughs> mindfulness. <laughs> yes. yes. In the book, you talk about striving for cheerful imperfection. I love those two words together because I think that's a really good aspiration to have, cheerful imperfection. Um Thank you. How do we? I agree. But, but how do we? I mean, I'm the daughter of a domestic goddess, right? Oh. My mum married dad, stopped working, so really had a lot of time to devote to the family in the house. And I've been burdened with a little bit of that sense of order. Mm. So I need that in my life. Um, but I'd yeah. like to sort of unshackle myself a bit. How do I do that? Oh, I've got a whole program for you in the book. So the last the last part of my book is literally a program for people like you who are living bravely with neatness. 
And I want to, I want to <laughs> congratulate you on taking this first step towards unburdening yourself yeah. because it is difficult to live like this. Um, you know, I know, I, I know people like you, I'm not one of them happily, but people like you who can't leave the house without making your bed. Yeah, that's mm. really tough. Yes, yeah, that's you me. You want to get out the door, but you see the unmade bed and you've got to go to it. People who can't walk past you know, a finger mark on the wall without running for the cleaning spray. So I have a whole program to help you. There's, there's affirmations, you know, like, like disarray is okay. You know, yep. nobody's ever got to the end of their life and wish they'd spent more time with their steam mop right yeah. <laughs> nobody's ever fallen in love with someone because their grouting was so spotlessly clean mm. you know and and so i talk about all the ways that a little bit of mess can actually enhance your life yeah. so for example it makes it so much more comfortable for your guests you don't want to intimidate your guests with your perfect <laughs> house you know i don't want to come into your home and and feel inferior because everything is so perfectly ordered i want to feel you know, a sense of, of comfort and ease knowing that you're as slovenly as me, basically. <laughs> mm. um, and so there's there's a program where you can gradually desensitise yourself. So it starts with, you know, leaving, say, a cup on the table for a few minutes longer than you normally would. And then you're progressing <laughs> to kind of having a great Dane run into your house after he's romped in the rain um, and, and not worrying about all the mud. So it's a gradual thing. We'll get you there, I promise. So, but this is my question, right, because... It's so interesting you reference your mother. Mm. I'm certain our generation of women have been heavily influenced by the women that raised us. Um, my mother mm. has instilled in me this fear of being seen as someone without a clean house. Like there's real shame attached to what will people think if they come in this house and it's filthy, right? And her version of filthy is like, it's not filthy. So I go to your house, Ange, and it's immaculate. Mm. Is it always like that? Because I make my house immaculate only when I know people are coming <laughs> for fear of the shame. Yeah. Well, I was at your place on Sunday and mm. it was gorgeous. Yeah, but you made only me... that day. <laughs> <laughs> like only because people were coming. So, so yeah. much of what we do as far as our, our um, routine and our mm. notion of keeping a clean or messy house is about, I think, what people will say about us. Do you think? So much. And I've got a whole section in the book about how we need to stop saying please excuse the mess. Mm -hmm. Like, don't excuse the mess. We all do it and we, we do it to a point where, you know, I've walked into people's homes and they're saying, please excuse the mess and literally the house is immaculate. Mm -hmm. There might be one dish in the sink. And I used to do that. You know, I think I write in the book that I was excusing the mess to, to tradesmen who turn up. They're going to make mess. Why am I excusing <laughs> the mess? And what I, what I write about, and I think if we all actually take a moment and think about it, we'll realise it's true. Nobody cares about your mess. I have never, ever gone to a dinner party, for example, and said, you know, the food was great, the company was great, but my God, there was dust on the skirting boards. Mm. So I just couldn't enjoy myself, you know, <laughs> or, or, you know, I love my grandmother, but, but I hate going there because, you know, she leaves dishes in the sink. It's, nobody cares about that. They care about the warmth and the hospitality that, that they experience. Mm. They care about whether or not you've got chocolate in the cupboard. That's a really important one. They care about whether you offer them wine or coffee, but they do not care about a pile of laundry on the floor. And in fact, it is much more comfortable to sit and drink a glass of wine on a messy sofa um, that's already got a few splatters on it than on a pristine white sofa where you're scared of actually spilling a drop onto the pristine white carpet, which has actually happened to me. And, and that friendship, unfortunately, <laughs> did not survive. But that's okay because I have other messy yeah. friends. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think to know me is to know that I will sp spill red wine. What is the solution? <laughs> what is the correct way to handle the red wine on the on the carpet? Oh, did you learn to that? To not in your... have a white carpet. <laughs> to not have a white carpet. Obviously, Ange. Come on. Very good. Very we good. We have coloured carpets here, multicoloured. Lots of lots of dark hues of red. Mm. So a little wine stain will go completely unnoticed. That is the solution. Yes, yes. Get a nice Persian rug with lots of reds in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. But I have a small house. I mean, part of the problem is I live in a small house. So when it's messy, it, you, you can't avoid it. You can't just sort of shut off one room. I mean, it's it's more difficult Please, can someone no, agree with true. me? No, I it's agree with you. I totally agree. Space. Yeah. With my son's room, yeah. I do just close the door mm. because that is a cave of, mm. of well, mess. He's nine. Yeah. <laughs> so but it is but difficult. That's the key. Mm. Doors are the key. 
Yeah. You know, I really do. I have a yeah. whole ode to doors in my book because doors are the key. <laughs> and that's why we have doors. And that's why this whole thing about aspirational pantries is, I think, so ridiculous. Mm. You know, if you go onto Instagram and you see hashtag home inspo and you start looking at pantries and people have these incredible pantries. In fact, I think Khloe Kardashian did a, did a virtual tour of her pantry recently on Instagram. Um, and everything is like decanted into different jars and they've got they've got the labels with the italicized font and everything is in your order and mm. and you know the wet stuff is at the back and the dry at the front the thing is pantries have doors mm. and no one looks in them except for you so I think anything that's behind a door including a nine-year-old's bedroom does not matter does not count throw things in the cupboard close the doors if necessary put more doors in your house if you've got a small house <laughs> put doors in the middle of the lounge room and just shut off that messy house and you just an keep a nice door. little alcove for guests <laughs> I mean, I love that for some people there's great joy in having a pantry like that. Good on you, Chloe. If that's your bag, well done, right? Um, it's not my thing. But I really enjoyed the chapter where cleaning is really a feminist issue, where it's about, yes. you know, mm. I, I, I certainly would say that my husband and I have different um, expectations of what a house should look like. Yeah. And I've really learned to go, you know what, I am going to step over that pair of shoes and He's going to ignore, you know, the bra in the corner, which we'll get to in a moment, by the way, <laughs> bras in the corner. <laughs> but, you know, it is a feminist issue, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, and you know, a lot of people seem to think that men have some kind of problem with their eyes, that they don't actually notice mess, right? Mm -hmm. So we notice things, but they don't notice that maybe it could be a problem with their corneas, it could be a problem with their brain. But the thing that I realised is that when you look at men and their cars, they actually do notice the slightest issue with their cars. So they'll notice the teensiest scratch. They'll notice that you've you know, left your coffee, coffee cup on the floor of their car. So there's no problem with their eyes. There's no problem with their brains. They just don't care, mm. right? They don't, they don't have the same standards. And in fact, that's a little bit aspirational. If they can move around their homes and not be worried by the socks on the floor or the coffee cup on, you know, on the sink, maybe we could, instead of, instead of, feeling angry at that and frustrated by that, maybe we could adopt some of that don't care attitude. Like, for example, a lot of us are with our cars. I mean, look at a lot of women in their cars and it's like it's like a mobile rubbish compartment. <laughs> oh you know, I know that, that when I'm, you know, when I have clothes, for example, to take to the clothing bin, they have to stay in my car for a while, I guess, to percolate. You know, you sort of, mm. the, the clothes need a certain amount of time in the car before you can take them to the clothing bin. Maybe they have to acclimatise or... <laughs> Or just get They're used saying to being goodbye. Out of the house. They're saying goodbye. They're to saying you. goodbye. <laughs> exactly. It's the greeting process. <laughs> um, so, so there's nothing wrong with men. There's nothing wrong with women. We just have different standards, and maybe we can all learn a little bit from each other to let I, more things go, and then there'll be less conflict. Yep, I agree. Just finally, I want to acknowledge Michelle, who's making a comment here that vacuuming is an anti is an is an anxiety management tool for her, and I do think that there are times when cleaning becomes. It is actually, for me, I use cleaning as the manual thing to do mm. when I'm mentally exhausted from the thinking parts of my world. So what oh, is the moment when gorgeous. you actually embrace the cleaning? Yes. So I've actually, again, got a whole section in my book on what to clean when. Because what I, what I disagree with is the whole housework schedules that tell you exactly when you need to, you know, when you need to vacuum. You need to vacuum on a Monday afternoon. You need to clean the light fittings on a Tuesday morning. And every, every month you wash the windows. I think we should all clean according to our mood. So I think Michelle makes a great point. Um, when you're stressed or anxious, that's a really good time to do things like, like vigorous kind of scrubbing, like you go and scrub the toilets when, or, or scrub the, the showers when you're feeling anxious because that kind of vigorous movement really helps to get out your anxiety. Um, when you're feeling a bit stressed, you can go and do things like dusting and get into all the finicky little corners. Um, vacuuming is a really good one when you need that repetitive sort of soothing motion to just let your brain switch off and, and daydream. So I look, I'm all about intuitive cleaning. Clean as you feel. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Follow your heart. And uh, so you must get the book. It's really mm. hilarious and very, um, I think, freeing. And also, not to make it about us, but there is a slight mention on page six in which you say, you doing it, I'm going to quote, me doing a live TV interview via Zoom with my wardrobe door open and my bras on full display, which was broad radio. It was, it was. You started off my career as a bra influencer, a bra fluencer, and it's changed my life. I mean, Love it hasn't it. brought me any money or power or fame, but 
I have notoriety. And, yeah, and it's that's true. People have great respect for you. So um, do head out, get the book. It's super fun. Kerry, as always, we love having you on Broad Radio. Thanks so much, love. Such a pleasure. Broad Radio, talking inspo we love, info we need and sharing more of us. Watch and listen live every Tuesday 9am Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time at broadradio.com.au or find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn at Broad Radio Oz. Talk to us live. Call on 1300 8 Broad. Catch up on demand anytime, anywhere, every time, everywhere. On the train, we'll be here. 2am existential crisis, we've got you covered. Broad Radio, here for more. All right, well, I am a lover, and of unique voices and people who live unapologetically themselves. And I think for women, sometimes that's very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I'm learning, especially if you come from certain kinds of backgrounds or households or families. So mm-hmm. I'm really thrilled to introduce you to our next guest. She's a Cypriot Australian poet and performer, Coralie Dimitriadis. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me. <laughs> So, Coral, you are a fiercely outspoken writer. Your themes are very often about the experience of being ostracised or misunderstood or silenced because of a cultural or religious repression. Can you give us a bit of background as to how your upbringing and heritage have contributed to that voice of yours? Um, Well, I guess uh, I got married really young at around 22 to kind of move out of home because I wasn't allowed to move out of home and I felt that a lot of the decision making about my life was um not mine like it was kind of like my parents like oh what are you going to study I'm going to study computer programming um what are you going to do with your life are you going to get married like it's just um it's just in the whole kind of culture um and I also got was brought up Greek Orthodox as well I just never questioned um anything I just kind of did what I was told and um uh, I I also had a lot of like um anxiety depression I was on medication from quite young um so I kind of felt like I operated my life in I would call like a zombie kind of way I just did what I was told and um and it wasn't until I start um stopped the medication when I was um about to have a baby that um like all these things started coming into my head like oh what kind of person do you want to be and I'd always wanted to be a writer and an actor and I just it was just never considered like an option in my culture you had to be like a safe job basically (laughs) so um yeah and then when I had my daughter I just started thinking like what kind of role model do I want to be for her and that kind of led to me realizing that I was in an unhappy marriage and I kind of exploded out of my um, marriage and my culture and my religion and kind of claimed my own voice and it was a process it didn't happen overnight and I had no role, role models that I could look to I didn't know anyone who'd been divorced um, and you know uh, it's like there was this thing inside me that just kind of like exploded out in poetry I would say and that started like my journey of being like a, a creative basically <laughs> So much of that resonates with me because I also grew up in a a Greek-Australian family and there was sort of not-so-subtle messaging around marriage and and having children early, not so much from my parents but the sort of extended family around me. Um, So I was a big disappointment because Mm -hmm. I'm 52 and I still haven't married yet. Mm -hmm. Um, But I found my voice when I went to uni. Um, I discovered feminism and that gave me all the answers that I needed so there were a lot of um, kind of um, vibrant conversations around the dinner table as I was introducing my family to feminism and me you know the real the real me and how I wanted to live my life so I I guess that that, well I studied I did an arts degree uh, with a major in politics and then I went on and did journalism after that so I sort of I I I charted my own course, um, but I had to fight off some, yeah, as I said, not so subtle sort of messaging as I was growing up. Um, I'm interested in, though, how you found your voice and, you know, was is is poetry sort of your answer to my feminism? 
Um, yeah, so I wasn't allowed to study art. It was like not on the table. So I didn't really discover feminism until um, when I came off my medication. As part of my therapy, I started writing a novel in secret. And um, it's unpublished. It's finished now. I'm trying to get a publisher for it. And um, during that time, I went to a talk um, and I um, of Christos Solkas, who's um, a best-selling Greek-Australian writer. And I told him I was writing in secret. And he um, said, oh, send me some of your work. And um, he, he read some of my novel and said, you know, you've got a really good voice. Um, can I mentor you? And I was like, oh, okay. And then he suggested going going back and studying writing. And I think when I went to RMIT and I started mixing with all these writers and poets, and that's when I really discovered like feminism and I started going to poetry events and I started reading my work on stage. And, um, and so it kind of was of like an unraveling. Mm -hmm. And I'm, you know, at that time I was like in my early thirties. So, you know, like to, to discover feminism at that time um, in your life is kind of a really like confronting thing because it's like, oh, wow, like what have I been doing and, and what's patriarchy? And, you know, like I didn't even know what patriarchy was. Like it's just unbelievable. I think to myself, I, and I thought to myself, I can't be the only one that is like <laughs> discovering feminism at the, age of, at the age of 30. You know what I mean? There's other women out there like me that have had this repressive upbringing and you know don't know all these things and because I didn't have any role models to look to you know I, I, female role models of my culture you know I, I I thought you know I have to help other women so that that helped me motivate me to do what I do. I really love that you're open about the fact that you were in your 30s saying what's patriarchy because there's I think there's sometimes a bit of elitism around feminism. There's an expectation that we should all be woke, that we should all be aware of our power. And sometimes mm. it takes a long time to discover it because mm. of your upbringing, because of what you've been surrounded by. Mm. Um, and it's never too late, Coralie. I really <laughs> love that. <laughs> it's never too late to go, how can I become who I want to be now? Mm. Um, and I, I think that that moment, I, I, I certainly remember moments in my life when I've gone, I don't want to be this person. Who actually am I? How did you explore who are you? I'm still doing it. And um, <laughs> that's why like um, when I first came onto the art scene, like people were like, who is this wog chick? Like this naive <laughs> wog chick. Like that, that was like, I'll get up and people would just be like, who is this person? Like, you know, and it, it's, <laughs> it's a constant process of um, I still feel like I'm on the journey. And um, I remember an early review of my first poetry book, Love and Fuck Poem, said this is reading like a, um, the diary of a teenager. Um, and I was like, um, at the time I was insulted. And then like now more recently I'm thinking, well, that's because like I, I had the decision-making take, taken away from me. So I... I didn't develop who I was, you know, part of allowing, you know, with my daughter, I let her fall and get up and learn and and make those decisions so she can learn who she is from an early age. You know, there's a lot of anger involved there as well, I have to say, at patriarchy, at the culture, you know, like, like, like that something was stolen from me. Why is it that at the age of, you know, like I'm in my 40s now, why is it that only now... I'm being given the permission after having ha having to fight so much to actually find out who I am. And, um, you know, that, that just really frustrates me and that's why I do what I do. Like, um, and, and I never say I know who I am because I don't, I'm still, I'm still learning every day I'm learning and I try and be vulnerable and, and open with, with my poetry, with my art, with everything that I do, because I want women to know, Hey, you know what? It's okay that you don't know. It's okay that you're scared, that you feel ashamed, because there's a lot of shame in the culture, a lot of shame. If I say anything bad about the culture, I'm a bad Greek girl. The other day I said something about the, the Greek priests on my social media and like 10 people unfollowed me because how <laughs> dare I, a Greek girl, you know, and I still struggle with that. Even even though I'm a, um, a, a unapologetic and I'm controversial, 
behind the scenes, I'm shaking. Like, you know, I still am fighting that shame within myself. There's so much shame in the culture and it needs to be talked about. Absolutely. Uh, are you going to read one of your poems for us? Yeah, sure. I'm going to perform it, not read it. It's oh, sorry, um, perform. from a poetry book, um, Just Give Me the Pills, which is my second poetry book, and it's called Surrender. Surrender. Give me the pills. I will drink them like wine. Allow their brilliance to dry my tears. My marriage medication stitching me up tight like good Greek girls. Give me the pills, bring forth the love. I want to smile, be the perfect wife, the mothering mother. I want to bury the beast, vanish into migrant myth, the one who lost the plot but found her way back, luckily. Give me the pills, I want to dine and dance at weddings, be dazzled by the dress, push prams around the burbs, gather at mother's group mumblings, have dinner parties, cuddle on the couch, shop your money wherever. Give me the pills so I can become what is expected and understood so my parents love me and my sisters approve. Give me the pills so I can become what everyone wants. Give me the pills, just give me the pills. Thank you. Oh. I loved that. Yeah. I'm a big lover of poetry and, God, that was beautiful, this notion. Yeah, poetry's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, cool poetry, not like traditional boring poetry. (laughs) I like that as well. I like like the traditional boring poetry. Oh, yeah, I like that too. I like that too. (laughs) I like it all. It's true. Yeah, I like a bit of that sometimes too. (laughs) Yeah. But that notion that you're medicating yourself so that you therefore are Mm. what's expected of from your family um and then to suddenly be able to break free it's an incredibly courageous life that you have lived Coralie thank you thanks it's hard work but yeah it's good (laughs) I love it you're very inspirational to me I really relate I come from a Christian family so it's a very similar kind of sensation of going Mm. actually who am I now if I were to choose my own path um, I think, yeah, a lot of women are in that space. Absolutely. Yeah, I that, get a that... lot of women from different backgrounds, even just mm. Aussie, um, you know, religious backgrounds saying to me, yeah, I had, I, I did had that decision-making taken away from me too. So it's a very common thing that, you know, I think we need to talk about in order to heal. Not so much, oh, I don't want to blame my parents. I love my parents. It's about healing and, you know, coming to terms with who you are and that, mm. that involves actually just talking about it and connecting with others who have experienced it. We all have the right to live the life we want and be mm. who we are. And as women, we face a lot of societal pressures to be some something mm-hmm. else. Um, so your poetry and this show and the things we do and say help other people. So all power to you, Coralie, and, yeah, and thanks thank so much. You. Thanks so, for having me. Thanks, Coralie. Do check out Coralie's website, coraliedemidriadis.com. You can find all of her writings there. And I know that you're working on um, a, a work where you're inter- interviewing lots of women who have come from similar oppression. So you're looking for subjects perhaps for that as well. So do check out the yes. website. Yeah, the book's yep. called Not Till You're Married and it explores how strict upbringing um, uh, affects um, how it manifests in the adult woman. So, yeah, if you go to my website, you can see an email address where you can um, email me and you can take part in either the survey or um, one-on-one interviews. So, yeah, reach out. Amazing. Thanks, Coralie. Absolutely Thanks. love what you're doing. Yep. Thank you. What a show. What a powerhouse show. Oh, my God. I'm obsessed with all three of the women we've had on and yourself. I've missed. I've missed being here. I really have. Before we go, we have to, I think the world is speaking about the Oscars and what Mm. took place. Uh, If you haven't seen it, essentially, um, and I I love the Oscars. I love it for the frocks and I love it for the one-liners that you hear from the hosts. It's usually a really fun sort of night or afternoon for Australians to watch. Um, but uh, yesterday, uh, during a monologue that Chris Rock was mm-hmm. doing, in which he made a very cruel and ableist joke mm-hmm. about Jada Pinkett Smith um, and the fact that she has no hair um, due to alopecia, uh, Will Smith stormed the stage and smacked him across the face. Mm. Um, thoughts? My thoughts um, were, first of all, it was normalising 
male violence on the world stage, um, that's a very bad thing. Um, when I tweeted something like that, a number of men were saying that he was just standing up for his wife. Um, we have a voice. Will Smith has a very big voice. He has a platform. Um, he could have called a media conference. He could have issued a media statement. He could have got up there and used his voice. There are so many other things he could have done to um, condemn that joke. Mm. He chose violence. And what that does is it just, it does, normalises it. And we live in a society where violence is a big problem. Mm. Not just violence against women, but violence is a problem. So I was, yeah, I was disappointed to see it because I knew that there would be people um, saying straight away that, you know, what he did was okay because he was protecting his wife. But no, it's not okay. I mean, we are called upon to be allies for... Mm each other mm, yeah. and most definitely that's a situation in which you would want to you know to not just defend your wife but actually point out that um alopecia is a very very serious condition to yes. live with and it's not something to make a joke about obviously mm. but you're right there are many ways we, we can be allies and the thing that devastated me was it was such apart from the violence mm. which is the biggest issue but it was such a glorious powerful night for women we had three incredible female hosts. I will agree with the point that they made when they started is that, you know, now that we've got three women on the stage, it still costs less than one male host. <laughs> they said it as a joke, but I think possibly it would have been true. And it really frustrates me when they get a female host, they have to get more than one. Yes. Why can't women ever host on uh, their own? Yeah, double standards. <laughs> I don't understand why that's the case. But on top of that, we had Jane Campion mm. winning Best Director for her incredible film, The Power of the Dog, which coincidentally, ironically, is about to toxic masculinity. We had director Sean Hader winning the Best Picture for the beautiful film Coda. And we had Ariana DeBose, who became the first queer woman of colour to win Best Supporting Actress. It was an amazing night for women, probably one of the most important nights the Oscar has ha Oscars has had for women and this is what the headline has been about Will Smith mm. and his violence. Yeah, their achievements have been overshadowed and that, that is an absolute shame. I mean, Jane Campion is the third woman ever to mm. win the Best Director Oscar in, in its 94-year history mm. and this is a big deal. Massive. And, you know, again, it's been the limelight has been taken away by, uh, you know, a stoush between two men which I'll say happened in the sports media a week or so ago when there was a fight between a football club and a male journalist and a woman was, was mm. dragged into that. Mm. Um, I feel I just, what I want to do is in my profession of sports journalism, I want to get all the men in a room and I want to explain to them what it's like to walk in my shoes. Because we need allies. Mm. You're right. And sport is such a powerful vehicle to change society. But for that to happen, we need a critical mass of men in sport, whether it's the journalists or um, the clubs themselves or administrators, the athletes, to speak about this. Yeah. It can't just be the Outer Sanctum podcast and a few of us shouldering these really important conversations so there's definitely, whether it's the arts or sport, I mean, women get used as collateral. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's um, true. It's it, we do need men to to stop being enablers and and become allies. Yeah, allies in in really uh, important conversations. And as yeah. you say, what Will Smith could have done in yes. that moment would have been extremely powerful. I mean, look, storm the stage and take the microphone, a yes. la Kanye. Yeah, I'm <laughs> although, all, I'm although all for that. <laughs> he ripped the microphone off Taylor Swift, which I will never forgive. Yeah, that's not cool. <laughs> it's not cool. Um, anyway, so, yeah, that's been an unfortunate thing. I'm, I'm going to spend the rest of this week just heroing those women and giving them some space, and I hope that that becomes a conversation now and we all just sort of yes um, give them the due of that incredible mm. uh, moment in time. Um, Ange, thanks so much for being a part of Broad Radio again. Thanks for inviting me back, yeah. even though I've been a bad Broad Radio oh, sister because no, I've been not. a little busy. Um, this has been good. It's... Um, it's nice. It's nice to breathe, have an yeah. hour of 
hanging out with you and mm. wonderful, wonderful women on the show today. That's right. We'll have more Broad Radio next week and we continue to support all of our independent candidates who are out there who um, are running uh, whenever this election is called. I think it's going to be May 14. Mm. Um, we expect it'll be called this weekend. All righty. Well, um, everyone, have a fantastic week. We'll see you next week on Broad Radio. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.